On today's episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about the children's classic Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I'm your host, Kelly Staten, and I'm a public librarian, and this is Reading Rewind. If you're not familiar with the Little House on the Prairie books, they are a fictionalized account of Laura Ingalls Wilder. There are nine books in the series, and they take place in the very late 1800s. They follow her as she and her family move around the Midwest, settling into places like Wisconsin, Kansas, Missouri, and the Dakotas. Um, These books are considered a classic in American children's literature, Um, even though there are some controversial things about the way the American Indians are portrayed, and we'll get into that a little bit later, they are still um, usually required reading in schools, and a lot of awards are named after Laura Ingalls Wilder, and um, a TV series, which was also very popular, was developed based on the books and her life. Little House on the Prairie, which is also the name of the series, is the third book in this nine-volume set. Now, why didn't I start with Little House in the Big Woods? Um, probably because I kind of forgot it existed. I think I tried to reread it several years ago, and I had a really hard time um, keeping my attention with the story. And then there is also book two, which I believe is called Little Farmer Boy. And I wasn't especially interested in that one. I wanted to pick up the one that everybody thinks about whenever they think about the series. And that is book three, Little House on the Prairie. So I read this book pretty quickly. Um, I will say for a child's book, it's well over 300 pages, which... You know, that's a substantial book for an elementary school child to read. It's a much higher reading level than um, some of the other series out there. And it holds your interest. You really want to know if they're going to survive. It's very, very undeveloped territory. So they're going from their home in Wisconsin to Kansas, and they're in a covered wagon. She has... um, two sisters. One's older and one is a baby. And they set off with their dog and their two horses and just everything they own goes in this little covered wagon. And it's very terrifying to think about setting off that way, not knowing where you're going to go, not knowing if you're going to make it. And many people did not make it in those pioneer days. But the detail of their trip is really, really engrossing and interesting and is a portrayal of part of our American history as people started settling towards the West. I guess when I was a kid and I read this, I really didn't realize that they had to build everything themselves. They built their cabin when they got there. They built their cooking stove. They just, they had to do everything 
literally from the ground up. And there was times in this book, they did not even have doors or windows and they would just put this sheet over those entryways into their house. And anything from the prairie, there's wolves, there's all kinds of wild animals. Anything could have come in there and hurt them. And it's really kind of amazing that nothing too awful happened to them. Um, there was a prairie fire, but they got that put out. And there were some neighbors. They weren't super close, but they were all looking out for each other. And it was just pretty fascinating to think about how we live today versus how they lived way back in the 18, late 1800s. Something else that really struck me as well is they didn't have a way to communicate with each other very well. So the their paw went off um, hundreds of miles away to get their windows and the doors for the house. And they would make supply runs of things like meat and they didn't have a cow, so they didn't have milk. Just things like that that they couldn't grow on their own at that time. And they just had no way of getting in touch with him. And there was a, a part in the book where he was really late and they just didn't have a way to call him. They didn't know what time he'd be home, if anything had happened to him. And he finally got home and apparently he rode through an entire pack of wolves with his horse. And it's just extremely nerve wracking to think about something like that and how we just have all these modern conveniences. We can go to the grocery store, we can text our loved ones or friends and just communicate so easily with others. And he could have just never come home and they would have never known what happened to him. And it's just kind of hard to even put yourself in that time era, but it also makes you really appreciate what you have now and how things have advanced in technology and just being able to stay in touch with everyone that you know, even just on the computer. And another thing as I was reading this book, yes, it is autobiographical and based on her recollection of her childhood growing up, but I was just curious if things had maybe been embellished a little bit, how historically accurate it was. So I did a little research and I pulled up an article on mental floss and one thing they point out, which I also noticed when reading this book, the family moved west to Kansas in Little House on the Prairie, but at the end, they ended up going back to Wisconsin. I did not remember that at all, reading that as a kid. Um, I thought that when they got there, they stayed there. I do kind of remember maybe some different houses and I remember a really bad winter in a book later on in the series, but I didn't realize that they went back to where they came from. And the reason that they went back was because they realized that they were on native lands and there was some talk about the government might um, remove all the settlers and make, make them leave and go back. Um, I'm not sure how historically accurate that is, but whatever the case was with the Ingalls family, they did leave Kansas at the end of this book and go back to uh, Wisconsin. 
But in future books, they moved around the prairie and there are sites now in the United States that are dedicated to um, those places where Laura Ingalls lived and our historic sites that people can visit. And um, they're very popular with people who like literature and like to read. And um, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting thing. And it might not have always occurred to people who read the books as a kid, but then didn't think about them as an adult. So another thing on mental floss is um, the dog. So Jack the dog, he's a very big part of this book. At one point they lose him when they're crossing the river. I don't know why they couldn't have put him in the wagon with the rest of the family, but for some reason Jack swam alongside in the river and he got swept down the stream and they thought that was the end of him. But being a smart dog, he paddled his way to shore and found them at their campsite later on. However, it sounds like the dog, according to this mental floss article, was left behind in Kansas because Pa traded him for horses and ponies. But when she wrote the book, she had him die instead of putting that fact into the story. Um, honestly, if that's the true events, that kind of makes me really angry because this dog was a great dog in the book and he made it all that way. They made him pick up and swim through a river and he found his way back to them and he protected them. And then they just trade him for something. And it's like, did he not have value? Well, I think that brings me to the end of the podcast. I've really enjoyed talking about Little House on the Prairie. It was a series that was very vividly a part of my childhood. I read all of them and I even read some of the books that were written by her daughter. And it was so much fun to go back and revisit it, reread it with new eyes and see some of the things that I missed, um, learn from those things in the book. And I actually might pick up the next few and reread those because I'm kind of interested to see what else happens in the story because like I said I don't remember them leaving Kansas and going back to Wisconsin so um, this has been a really fun episode for me I hope that you will pardon my noisy cats in the background they I have three cats and they all decided it was time to be wild while I was recording this podcast and one of my cats opens doors so I cannot keep them out of the recording room but anyway I look forward to reading uh, another book this month and chatting with you on our next episode. I hope that you will leave some suggestions for what you'd like to see me read and just bear with me as I'm learning how to edit and do all these things with the podcast. I want to make it as good as I possibly can, but I'm learning as I'm doing this, but Thank you so much for listening and supporting the podcast, and I will chat with you next time on Reading Rewind. It was almost like they didn't think that he was a valuable part of their family, and I thought that was a very sad ending for Jack, and um, 
who really knows what the truth is obviously everybody that was involved is no longer here but it sounds like the book version was not actually what happened in real life so that brings me to how black people and native people are portrayed in the little house on the prairie book series and i'll just be straight up with you as a child i did not notice any kind of racism in these books. Um, since I hadn't reread them in a long time, I knew some of the ongoing discussion about what do we do about these books? You know, they're beloved, they're very well written. Um, they've won awards. Awards have been named after Laura Ingalls Wilder. What kind of place do they have in our history and on our bookshelves? And I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer. It's one of those things where you read it as an adult and the racism is extremely apparent. Um, as they're moving west, Ma often has very negative things to say about the Native American people. And there are friends of the Ingalls that say frankly the only good Indian is a dead Indian and I just I did not remember any of that as a child and it was very disheartening to read it as an adult but in some senses it is true of what people thought at that time and it it goes to show you how far we've had to come in society and try to overcome some of those awful things that people thought and said about non-white members of our society. And I also didn't remember there is a black doctor in this book and the Ingalls family, they all get very sick and almost die and the neighbors come along with the like the circuit riding doctor and he's black and there's some discussion about they were really surprised that he was black and he was well spoken well educated and never ever remember that from my childhood so it was really sad because i did love these books as a kid and it was really sad to um see that written in the pages of a series that I've always had such fond memories of. Um, some other examples, I won't keep going on and on about this, but it's definitely good to acknowledge it because it is important to learn from our past so we can make the world better in the future. But whenever they would be playing on the prairie, um, the kids got tan just because the sun and summer and it just naturally makes you tan and ma would go on and on about how much they were starting to look like the indians and she didn't want her kids to look like them and it's just it's not a huge part of the book but it is very present in the book so when you read these books i always recommend reading them as they're written, having these discussions about why this is not okay, and talking about how we have 
progressed the work that we still need to do and recognizing they are an important piece of our history, but they also reflect a very dark part of our history. And just having an open and honest conversation about that is, in my opinion, the way that you handle the racism in the Little House books. Now, some of the literary um, awards that used to bear Laura Ingalls' name, they have been renamed um, just because of those depictions of Black and Native peoples. And um, I'll link some resources if you'd like to read more about those decisions. That happened one time when I was at the American Library Association conference. They um, stripped her name from one of their prestigious Children's Book Awards. So um, I feel like while we're still keeping these books on the shelves, we are not taking them off the shelves. We are needing to talk about what we read in those pages and how people could be harmed and hurt by those um, depictions, unfortunately, of Native peoples and also Black characters.